Last week we had mentioned a man by the name of Abraham and the Abrahamic covenant. The promise was given to Abraham. And all of a sudden we realize we're opening up a new door to an enormous amount of goodies from the Word of God. Precious truths that, like the new birth, are very extensive. Anybody ever get a puzzle for Christmas? You know, when you're trying to think of a gift for somebody and you just can't quite find the right one, you always seem to come up with a puzzle, a puzzle. Brother Mark came to me last week and said, Brother Steve, your illustrations are antiquated. And he's right. See, I had mentioned thimbles. Nobody knows what a thimble is. Well, <laughs> you know, it's revealing my age. Well, puzzles are like that too. You know, what are puzzles? You young people may never have put one together. But anyway, a puzzle, you can look at a puzzle when you first get it in the box, and it's like, oh, it's a puzzle. What do I do with that thing? But you find out, you know, when you lay it out, and all those pieces in the pile, they just don't look inviting, you know, until you start putting them together. Then you see a masterpiece. Well, the Bible's like a puzzle, and as long as that book stays on your shelf, it's going to look like that pile of pieces you just can't figure out. You've got to open it up. When you start putting the pieces together, it's very broad, very beautiful. But that's a linear perspective. The Bible really is beyond that. It's not linear. It's exponential. I mean, it's going off in all kinds of different directions. I mean, within the scriptures. It's a puzzle, in a sense, in 3D form. It's a beautiful picture a mosaic of God's wonderful gift of salvation to us. And so I thought that was a neat little way of just saying as we look into the Bible and we pick up different truths like the name Abraham and what, is, what, it, what it entails, it's an enormous amount of pieces that fit together that draw a beautiful plan of God's wonderful gift in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I open up for Brother Steve Bloyd this morning... I'll just look at a scripture here. So many ramifications in Genesis chapter 22 in verse 5. You know, what's interesting about this particular time in Abraham's life, he's an old man. He's at the end of his life. And yet the greatest trial of his life is about to be, you know, experienced. We might think as Christians, when we get old, like Brother Farrington in his 90s, that there remains no more test of our faith, no more trials. That's not the case. Faith is always tested. Now, let's. this comes with a very important asterisk at the end, and that is Abraham is considered the father of the faithful. So, you know, he represents men and women of faith in God's spiritual kingdom from the beginning to the end of time. So he's going to be tested. He's going to be tried. And the trial that he experienced in offering up his son Isaac, of course, a picture of Christ, but yet something that actually took place, none of us will have to experience that. Why? Because he's the father of the faithful. He will be tried. Um, There's a lot of debate as to where the book of Job fits in connection with the time, a chronological timeline in the Bible. Was he before Abraham or after And I believe he was after. Some say before. They don't know. You can't tell. You can do all the study you want. You won't know exactly when Job existed. 
Job, of course, was tried tremendously. His faith was tried. But I just throw this in as just a little side note, and that is since Abraham is the father of the faithful, in a sense the head of the faithful, I kind of assume that Job came either, you know, in his lifetime, Abraham's lifetime, or after. That's all. But you and I are tried. Now, it says in the first verse, and it came to pass after these things, that is, after everything pertaining to the life of Abraham, that God did tent Abraham. And literally, if you have a center column reference, you can see that that word tent in the Hebrew means he's going to be proven or put to the test. And that's what faith is. It's tested. It's tried. What, and, and remember Job... When old Satan went before the throne and said, you know, does this guy serve you for naught? You know, it's wonderful to have a, a faith and never tried. It's very comfort. We got a tremendous comfort zone. It's never really put to the test. And Job is basically asking God, you mean to tell me that this brother or sister is serving you with his, with his purse full, with his pantry filled, with his good health? You know, a shiny new car in the driveway. I mean, this guy's serving you for naught. I mean, let's take away some of these things and let's really test his faith to see whether he believes in you. Okay, that's basically what's happening here in Abraham's life. But the point I want to convey to you this morning, which is significant, as it ties in a little bit about what we mentioned last week at the close of what belief means. What does it mean to believe? And that's why I pick up with this scripture in verse 5. Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And here's the point I want to convey to you, that worship is more than just a mindset. It's more than just a belief. We mentioned belief. Yes, it involves truth. It involves an embodiment of truth. It involves trust by taking that truth and applying it to yourself. I believe. You know, it's one thing to sit back from a, you know, your internet looking at your 15-inch screen monitor and say, yeah, I, I believe in that article. I believe in this article. I believe in what this guy says. And you can really go online today and you can see great men have just taken scriptures and just... I mean, they've turned them inside out. I mean, we're getting truths that we've never seen before with the help of a lot of these aids. These men are very capable. But I'm not talking about just a belief system per se, like a philosophy or something you study in the corner of your attic, in front of your laptop, computer, whatever. I'm talking about something that goes beyond your belief, which is important. I won't discredit that in terms of... Uh, your truth, your embodiment, what you believe. Because Jesus did say to his disciples on one occasion, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? I mean, he was curious. What are they saying? Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah, Jeremiah, or whatever he mentioned there in Matthew 16. But then he turned to them and said, Yea, but whom do you, or whom do ye say that I am? And of course, Peter spoke first. Peter, Peter stood up and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said in response, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood 
hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And so the belief that we have is a revelation in and of itself. And it's something we adore and we appreciate. In this particular text, in Genesis 22, it goes beyond just a philosophical understanding of the truth of the Bible. You see, belief involves obedience. It's something that we don't, you know, in our day and age where we compartmentalize just about everything. You know, we take things and we, you know, well, we say that, you know, I, I like the Christian church, but I don't have to go. Or, yes, I understand the Bible to teach baptism, but it's not for me. You see, where we have a disconnect between belief, our belief system, and the action that's, it, that's involved in it. In the New Testament, belief involves action. It Obedience. You can't divide the two. And this case is bringing that out. When Abraham says, I and the lad will go yonder and worship, he is basically saying that worship includes not only belief. Obviously he believed because Hebrews chapter 11 tells us later on, as it mentions Abraham, that he believed God was able to raise Isaac from the dead. He believed that. He believed it. But his action here involves obedience. I and the lad will go yonder and we will worship. We will worship. So you can't just worship God sitting in your cubicle. You've got to get out. And the rubber needs to meet the road, so to speak. May the Lord bless you this morning. Enjoyed very much Elder Aquino's message and ask that you pray that uh, the Lord would bless us for a few minutes more this morning. Uh, My sister had some health concerns and issues and uh, on a short notice I was able to get my mom uh, up for the week to spend the time with my sister and and I got sick and uh, I'll tell you what, uh, it's a blessing to have your mom uh, pick some good uh, chicken noodle soup, potato soup, and things like that. And a mom's touch is pretty special when uh, when you're not uh, not feeling well. And uh, real blessing to have been able to spend a few days with my mom. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter one. We'll look at a few chapters here, a few verses in Ecclesiastes chapter one. This may be an archaic example as well, Brother Steve. We may have to lean on Brother Steve and Sister Kathy to help us out. Uh, do you know who Frank Sinatra was? Okay. Frank Sinatra was a, uh, was a, uh, a singer, entertainer, and uh, one of the, uh, the songs that was uh, somewhat written uh, about uh, a little bit written about the life of Frank Sinatra in his earlier years. Uh, I think the title of it was, uh, I Did It My Way. I Did It My Way. It starts out that uh, now the end is near, and he begins to talk about that uh, he had it all, but at the end of the day, he'd had, some, he'd had a few regrets in life. He had had a few uh, uh, hard knocks along the way. But at the end of the day, he said that uh, he could say, and the song reiterates it in the chorus over and over again, uh, it reiterates it. He says, uh, even though all these things happen, he says, at the end of the day, I can truly say that I did it my way. 
Uh, it's interesting that the very last words that Frank Sinatra said before he died, he had a heart attack when he was 82 years of age, and he'd entertained a lot of folks up until that time, and, and uh, the words that he said right before he had his, uh, before his uh, death was, uh, I'm losing it. What's the, what's the hidden secret of life? I mean, what is it that's going to make us happy? What is it at the end of the day that's going to make a difference? Is it, is it truly going to be that we can say when we get to the end of the way that, well, I did it my way. We understand that a lot of times our way is not, and I'm not here to pick the song. It was a, it was a very popular song, and, and I expect that probably one of the reasons that it was such a popular song is that so many people, many of us can relate to what he said or saying. But we understand that we're taught that a lot of times our way is not always the right way. And so when we get to the end of the journey, are we going to, are we, are we going to proudly say that, well, I, I, I've kept the faith, I finished the course and I did it my way. That's not necessarily the right way. There was uh, an author of this book of Ecclesiastes and he actually, he actually sort of. Uh, penned almost the same uh, thoughts of this song many, many years before. The author, referred to as, as, as many think Solomon, he's an old man now. He's probably, he's uh, maybe in his 80s, like, uh, like Frank Sinatra was when he died at 82 years of age. And, and he writes this, and he said, you know what? I started out life, and I started out life doing it my way. But I found out that that wasn't completely where you get the fulfillment of life. Now, sometimes I think that uh, what, you could look at this almost as a sermon. If you want to go through and read Ecclesiastes, it's 12 chapters, really, really good. We'll only talk about a couple of the, maybe the first two. But it, 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 if you were going to, you could almost look at this as a sermon as you read it. And the title of the sermon is Vanity of Vanities. means that it, 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 it's vain. It, it almost, uh, it, it, it almost, uh, uh, is, is, is an extreme title. And sometimes I think that, that God, uh, it, this was written by the inspiration of the Spirit, but that God sometimes puts things in there to really get our attention. To not just sort of brush it under the rug, but to really get our attention and to, to, to get us to think. Uh, you ever say anything to your, your kids to just, just sort of get their attention? I mean, maybe, maybe it may even be sometimes overkill just a little bit. I'll, I'll share an experience with you. My father, 
Um, it's close to 80 years old. And when we went to this doctor, the doctor's really, really good doctor. But he said, uh, he said uh, and, and the doctor's from another country. So his, his English is not just absolutely perfect, but he's trying to make a point with my father. And he says, um, you're an old man. And my father says, I don't feel like an old man. He said, it doesn't matter. You are an old man and you need to realize that there's issues that come with this age that you are. It upset my father to the point that he said, I'm going to change doctors. And he did. He sure did. But sometimes God says some things through the inspiration of the spirit, through the uh, word to get our attention. And he's starting out right here and he says, I don't want Solomon says, I don't want you to wait till you're 80 years old. And then you realize that the things that you were putting all of your effort into the things that you were pursuing with all of your energy, that it was empty. And that's not where true happiness would lie. Now, all of these things that he mentions right here are very appropriate if they're put in the right place and in the right order. And they can also be great blessings and great benefits to individuals. But if we pursue this outside of serving God, you see, it it will tell us in the 12th chapter what the bottom line is. He's saying right here that if we think this is where we're going to find our true happiness, our true joy, he said, don't wait till I'm. Till you're 80 years old like I am to find out that it was empty and vain. Look at what he says. You could title this uh, Vanity of Vanities. Vanity of Vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of Vanities. All is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? Well, you want to know that your labor is going to be Uh, uh, productive you want to know that you're spending your time well you want to know that you're using the the talents and the resources that God gives you in a way that uh, is going to honor the Lord but he says right here he says what profit hath the man that of, of all his labor which he taketh under the sun one generation passeth away another generation cometh but the earth abideth forever He says he'll come down and he'll tell us even later that there's not really anything new under the sun. The sun also riseth. The sun goeth down. It hasteth to its its place where he arose. The wind goeth toward the south. It turneth about to the north. It whirleth about continually and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. All the rivers run into the sea. Yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that hath been is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And then he sums it up right here. And he says, and there is no new thing under the sun. Sometimes we think we've discovered something new, but he says right here, the things that are have been and the things that are now will be again. 
until the Lord returns back. And he says, there's nothing new that's under the sun. Then he says in verse 12, I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. And I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of men to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. There's some things that we just can't fix. There's some things that we just can't change. We know one that can. We know one that's able. But it's oftentimes according to God's sovereign pleasure and God's sovereign will. And when we've done everything that we know to do, I believe I appreciated Brother Steve's message on belief. And we should do everything that we know to do, believing in God and trusting in God. But at the end of the day, we have to just put it in his hands. And then we have to be reconciled to what God's will is. We should do everything that we know to do, everything we can do by the, the wisdom and the grace that God gives us. But ultimately, we have to trust in the, in the purpose and mind of the Lord and, and believe that he knows what's best for us and what's going to be for his glory. He says there's some things we can't fix. We can't make some things the crooked straight. We can't those things that are wanting. He says, I commune with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to, the, to a great estate, and I've gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart hath great experience of wisdom and knowledge. I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived, he says, uh, I, thought that, I thought that happiness was going to be in having a whole lot of knowledge. And having a whole lot of wisdom. And I think he's talking about, he says right here, uh, I think he's talking about wisdom of the world, how things are, how things are and how things came to be and things like that. But he said, I realized that I was pursuing it in the wrong fashion. And he said, I found out that that wasn't where the true happiness was. Now, James tells us, that if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth liberally. But I believe the wisdom that he's talking about is not the wisdom of the world, but it's wisdom from above that James is referring to right there. And we need wisdom. I, I, I don't know about you, but I go to the Lord often and I say, Lord, I, I need wisdom. I don't have the answers. I don't know. The, I don't know. The, uh, I, I need wisdom in making the right decision and, and going the right way. I need wisdom in being able to decide right. And God will bless us with it. But he's talking about, he says, the wisdom of the world, that's not where you're going to find true happiness. He says, I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness. And finally, I perceived that. This is also vexation of spirit, for in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increaseth in knowledge, this is interesting, he that increaseth in knowledge increaseth sorrow. Then he said, I decided that I would go and uh, I'd fill my life with pleasure. 
He said, I said in mine heart, go to now and I'll prove thee with mirth and I'll enjoy and therefore enjoy pleasure. And behold, he says, I found that this is is uh, this is vanity. You see um, uh, a lot of great advertisements for uh, uh, these wonderful places to travel and visit and go. And a lot of folks feel like that uh, if, if they can just go and experience getting away, that uh, that's the solution for it all. You ever want to just get away from all your problems, all your challenges, and, and it, it, you feel like if you can just uh, maybe go to this foreign country, go on this uh, massive vacation and things like that, that uh, that's the solution for it. I think Brother Bradley made a classic statement. He said, the problem is that when you go, you got to take yourself with you. And that's where the problem lies. Solomon said, I found out that that wasn't the solution. I found out that that wasn't where true happiness is. You see, it's one thing to have zeal and pursue, uh, ask the Lord to open doors and pursue opportunities. But it's another thing to put it before the Lord. It's another thing to take what God has given you in your talents and your abilities and use it to build up self and to improve self. It's another thing to take what God has given you, like Sister Helen Beecham said, that she wanted to use the health and the mind that God had given her into her old age for the purpose of serving the Lord. If we put the Lord first in our life, It'll make all the difference in the world. He said, well, I decided I would, uh, I'd pursue laughter. He said, I, I pursued laughter. And he says, it is mad and of mirth. What doeth it? He says, I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine. Yet the scriptures are very clear on that. And he says, uh, to acquaint myself unto wine yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom and to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men which they should do under heaven all the days of their life. He says, I, I made me great works. I, I builded me houses and I planted me vineyards. I, I made me great, I made gardens and orchards and I planted trees in them and all kinds of fruit. He says, I made pools of water to bring their with the wood that bringeth forth the trees. He says, I got me servants and maidens. And he says, servants born unto my house. I also had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. He says, I gathered me also silver and gold and particular treasures of kings of the provinces. I, I, I get me men singers and women singers. <laughs> And the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and of all that sorts. He said, so I was great and increased more than all they that were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And then verse 10, he says, I did it my way. He said, whatsoever 
mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then he said, Then I looked on all the works of my hands that had wrought, and on all the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no prophet under the sun. He continues on down in chapter 2 and chapter 3. And he reemphasizes about his labor and about his priorities. But he said, I pursued it and I had it and I did it my way. Frank Sinatra sang the song, I did it my way. But at the end of his life, he said, his last words were, I'm losing it. I don't know what he was referring to that he was losing. But I tell you, I'd much rather have the experience of the Apostle Paul and relate to Paul. Where he says, I've given my life, whether it be by my life or by my death, that Christ be magnified. And he said, for me to live is Christ. This is, uh, this is some really good last words. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. I'm not losing it. I'm gaining it all. I'm gaining it all. It's all before me. Heaven is not a loss. Heaven is a gain for every one of us. If we put our stock in things of this world, that's not where the true happiness is going to lie. But if we put it in the things of the Lord, that's where it is. Amen. Those things can be blessings, family, children, possessions, provisions, a garden, an orchard, a, 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 a pool, things like that can be a blessing to you. But you don't pursue that as the place that you're going to find true joy. It's really going to be in the simple life of serving the Lord. Paul Harvey used to say, now you have the rest of the story. Let's go over to chapter 12. And he tells us the rest of the story. In chapter 12, he says, let us hear the conclusion. Let's go to the bottom line. You can go through all of the 12 chapters. It, 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 it talks about in chapter 11, casting your bread upon the water. It talks about in chapter 12, about remembering your creator in the days of thy youth and before the evil days draw nigh. But then he says at the end of the day, he says, let us hear the conclusion or the sum of the whole matter. He says, this is the sum of the entire matter. This sums it up. That you fear God and you keep his commandments. It's fine to pursue other areas in life. But you do it as you fear God and you serve God and you keep his commandments as you do it. We've known some folks that found the secret in life. 
your dad, Brother John Davis. Simple man. I say that as a compliment. Didn't have a complicated life. But he loved the Lord. Andrew, your granddad put the Lord first. He was always in the Lord's house. If there was something that he could do to help improve the physical building of the church, he would do it. He had a simple life, but he put the Lord first. He had a happy life. Threw a little bit extra bluegrass music in there along the way, but, uh, but he had a good, simple, happy life. Brother Polk. Brother Polk came to us when he was in his 70s, when he was about, when most folks were wrapping up life. And Brother Polk came and uh, about 72, 73 years old. And boy, he ramped it up until he was in his 80s. And he served the Lord. And he took his little, I say little, he took his talents of simple woodworking and construction and he touched the lives of nearly everybody here. He worked on their homes. He, he, he helped build the church at Southampton. Uh, was, he used the talents that he had to help other people and he figured out the solution and the secret of life. Fearing God, keeping his commandments. Rebecca, your grandfather, he was another one that found that uh, secret for life. He loved the Lord. He loved to serve the Lord. He, he taught others and he taught it by example. He says, you take care of the Lord's people and the Lord will take care of you. He said, I was taught that by my father-in-law, your great-grandfather, Brother Phil's dad. He said, you take care of the Lord's people, the Lord will take care of you. And the Lord did. Brother Jackson found that secret for life. God blessed him in many other areas. He blessed with other provisions, other things along the way. But Brother Jackson put the Lord first. There's a lot of great things that we might think we could do and make a name for ourselves along the way. But God blesses us when we seek him first, when we put him first. When we do the simple things. When you come up and work on the church building. It, you know what? This building doesn't just stay this way all the time. It's not exempt from deterioration and decay and things like that. Just because it's a primitive Baptist church building, there are things that have to be done. But you know what? You'll be surprised what a blessing you'll get in just doing some work on the church building. That's a simple thing. Uh, we were visiting Sister... Sister uh, Malcolm this last weekend and she was talking about some of the happiest times that she remembered here at Mount Carmel was not only the meetings that we'd had but she said she said we used to come up and, and uh, we'd spend all day Saturday and I imagine some of these young folks were here helping we'd spend all day Saturday with the dust rag and some furniture polish and she said we'd dust we'd, we'd polish every one of these pews and then she said we'd get on our hands and knees and we'd polish the floor as well. Brother Danny said, you mean there's hardwood floors under that carpet? She said, there sure is. He said, let's pull the carpet up. <laughs> but she was talking about the happy times 
God blesses in doing the, the simple things. Putting Him first. Seeking Him first. We may think we have to do something extravagant, something large, something big to find happiness along the way when we ought to just use the gifts that God gives us. Look for opportunities and it may be the very simple things along the way. Solomon says, let us hear the conclusion. Let's not wait till we're 80 years old and say that we missed out on life. Let's find the solution for life. Pray that Pray that God, first of all, I I truly believe that the scriptures teach us that God is the giver of life. And I believe that we should value life, whether it's the, the unborn or the aged. And that God is the one that gives life and we should treasure life and we should value life. But we ought to pray that that this life that God gives us, whether it's short or long, that we use the life that God gives us to glorify Him. Generally, the examples that we have in the Scriptures in, in God blessing us to use the life to glorify Him is by serving His people, is by helping one another along the way, looking for opportunities that we can that we can be used. Look for areas that there's, that there's a need around you. If you need some help in finding that, let me know. There's, uh, there's several that can help out in, uh, in knowing some needs that are around. But if you want to be used of the Lord, look around you for, for specific needs and pray that God will bless you to be used to fill the gap. You'll find a great joy and a great blessing in doing that. Let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. He says the bottom line at the end of the day is that we fear God. We keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. God will bless you in it. You'll have joy unspeakable along the way if you seek the Lord first. He may add some of these other things to you, but don't let those things stand in the way of your service to God. if, if, if Satan ever tempts you to say, well, I think I need to stay home today to, 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 to paint the shutters on the house, you need to be reminded that it's God that owns that house and that you, you may think that the mortgage company does, but God ultimately owns that house and blessed you to have that house. And don't let it keep you from serving the Lord. Everything you have is a blessing and a gift from the Lord. Use it to serve the Lord, not keep you from serving the Lord. May God bless you. We're glad you've been able to listen to this podcast. We invite you to come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Our services begin with hymn singing at 1030 a.m. Mount Carmel Primitive Baptist Church is located at 1707 Churchville Road in Bel Air, Maryland. If you've enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast application.